Well, part of it is learned helplessness, right? That and that that's that trauma response you're you're speaking to is that psychologically when we are exposed to so many things in a row that we cannot get out of, right? That we mm-hmm. we we cannot save ourselves from what they are doing. Um, we have no control over policies. We have we can only just watch what's happening. Eventually, some people, yeah, they can't take that anymore and they give up, right? That's that that lethargic part or that listlessness, languishment, despair. I'm feeling it too this week. I just wanted to get in my bed and like not, just not. It's triggering my CPTSD, you know, well, that- the complex post-traumatic stress disorder of being in an abusive relationship where and you have no anyone, power. For anyone who still wants to deny that BC's government is clearly abusive, you have not been watching the news in the last five days because everything that we've been stating really came to a head with the heat wave deaths that just happened where hundreds of likely our seniors and vulnerable that couldn't get out of those situations died Um, And we had no warning from the government about the heat wave. There was no official status warning. No emergency alerts went out on our cell phones. And John Horgan's initial statement when asked about it was part of his response. And I'm not going to say all of it because everyone wants to yell that it it was a piece of what he said. None of what he said was good. Let's just... (laughs) Let's just say that. Um, But part of it was, A, saying that fatalities are part of life, and B, that people knew there was a heat wave and there's a level of personal responsibility. Wow. The callousness. The callousness with which he said that. and, And said it right before we got the coroner's report. I know. Right? And it's... 719 people is the tally so far. And And they're still finding more. I have to say this because this connection in my head just highlighted for me, and nobody else will have seen it unless they have been following everything that we've been doing. But before the heat wave deaths, there was an excess report death released on deaths, including BC. And guess what it said? What did it say, Mel? It said there's 79 or 78 percent underreported deaths. Like, unbelievable. As we've been saying, but this is a peer reviewed paper using Statistics Canada information. Like, it's a good paper. And they've put a lot of work into it. They've been working on it for a long time. It was embargoed, so they didn't share it before they could, even though it would have been really helpful. But when Henry was asked about this. She said she takes that report with a grain of salt and they trust their own data. They're disagreeing with Stats Canada data. Okay, sure. <laughs> and and like the and but at the same time, just two weeks ago, as we were talking about, they had UBC and BCCH pushing their school study, which has a list of issues that tons of people have been addressing across mm-hmm. Twitter. And this week, oh, it even better it was because this week of weirdness, they tagged me and many other people in this strange response that said, like, we've heard your feedback Here's our response, which didn't address any of the actual methodological or structural issues with the paper, but obviously shows they are really sensitive right now. (laughs) 
you're trying to do as oh, like damage control yeah no you guys are way past that because it just it spreads out because the same doctors that are involved with those studies are out touting this article that came out saying masks are bad for kids but oh days later that article's fucking retracted mm-hmm. right and now these doctors are like oh well i wasn't saying it was it was right and i'm like really what were you trying to say by sharing that well they're getting just black they're blacklisting themselves because all the other doctors are looking at them or like what are you guys talking about you guys where did you graduate because they're getting dog piled on from doctors globally not just (laughs) for their statements yeah and that's what happened this week too is that so more people got pulled into this study because they tagged us in these responses that was ridiculous. Then all these other people got involved and were like, what are you doing? Like, these people are right. And, <laughs> and then John Horgan, with his comments, now we have international coverage right now of BC mm-hmm. and Horgan because Horgan mm-hmm. said these fa- fatalities are part of life and we had hundreds of seniors die over days. And that was our response. I And the ocean's on fire. Yeah, the ocean was on fire yesterday, which was just, I could not believe what I was looking at. But for over eight hours, by the way, like, I don't even know what the environmental toll of that is. But I feel like I'm going a little wacky, right? Like, do you not just just kind of laugh to yourself in the corner sometimes? And you're like, what is actually happening right now? Yeah. And and then there's radioactive hogs. And then there's also (laughs) killer Hornets now mm-hmm. spotted in mm-hmm. in Richmond. It's just right. is the what? levels of Jumanji keep just going up, right? And it's it, it, despite what we have thought, it actually is getting worse. It's, it's getting, getting worse. worse. They literally are showing they care less. They literally did nothing to warn people about the heat wave, and I'll explain why. Not everyone is on Twitter and not everyone is in as informed as the people who tune in like our listeners, right? Most people just go about their normal everyday lives. And unless there's an emergency broadcast, unless it's all over the radio or, or TV, no one's going to pay attention. They were finding like old people who are living by themselves by smell this week. Yeah. Because they died on Sunday and Monday, somewhere in between, when they died of heat stroke, when, you know, temperatures were at 117 degrees. Well, and if and you... They, <laughs> no one heard from them. It's like, not just people living alone. So, A, that's bad, because seniors can't even afford to buy an air conditioner beyond the pensions that they get. Let's be clear, anybody mm-hmm. who's just living on the government pension, that's not enough money to buy an air conditioner. And anyone who thinks it is has never actually been poor because I couldn't buy an air conditioner for 25 years of my life, right? Like I didn't buy my first air conditioner until I was in my late 20s because I could not put the money into it because I was a student. It is a privilege to be able to buy something as simple as an air conditioner. Um, it also is a privilege to have a house. Those who are unhoused have no options. In Edmonton, it got to 38 degrees here, and there are people here who are unhoused who the only clothing they have are sweatpants. They are laying in that sun in sweatpants, and there's nowhere for them to go. And the cooling centers weren't developed in time, right? Like, nobody put the systems in place that should have happened. 
they didn't believe the temperatures would get that hot. They were in denial, really. I mean, they did not believe it was going to be right. that dangerous. They were like, oh, you know, it's just a Morgan heat wave. Morgan said These after, people- he was like, oh, I guess we can take climate change real now. What? We, what? Excuse me? I'm glad you take it real now, but we, I didn't need 500 seniors to die to take it real. Unbelievable. The excess death report. Oh, oh my God. God. Sorry, this is where the story started in the first place. The excess death reports. Okay, Dr. Henry stated that she takes that study with a grain of salt. And then John Horgan comes out and says all these heat wave deaths are just a part of life. And I am so regretfully saying this because I care about her. and But she was open and sharing this on Twitter. But Dr. Moriarty, who is the author, primary author on that paper about excess deaths, Mm-hmm. One of her family members in BC died in this heat wave, and she had to come here the day after those remarks. Yeah. Can you imagine being those families across Canada right now who've had a family member die in BC, and that's what they heard from our government? Yeah. Just the, the heartlessness is unbelievable. And, and, and it wasn't, and Dr. Moriarty said that family member wasn't frail. She no, was actually healthy. partially partially vaxxed mm-hmm. and she was scared to leave her apartment because she was only partially vaxxed. Right. And of course there's no cooling centers anywhere. So she died of heat stroke in her apartment alone. Yes. It's terrible. Terrible. Right. And people and I saw ugly comments on those posts about how such people it's because of the fear mongering about covid sorry but some people will die of covid some of us don't have that health privilege yeah it's as simple as that like i can't put it any other way some people yes you most people are are not susceptible to severe outcomes with covid there's a bunch of people that are and that can't get vaccinated or are partially vaccinated or who have family that can't get vaccinated and it's very real for them, right? And this woman died because of that fear. And because in BC particularly, we have had the least amount of measures, right? Like the people here who are most at risk have been uncared for in this province. And this is the result of that. This is the result of that. unbelievable that they knew this was coming and no extra measures were taken and this is the highest recorded casualty in Canadian history ever from an extreme weather incident like more so than the heat wave in Chicago in 1995 like this is the most casualties recorded ever in a developed country oh and I don't think I don't think we've had all of them counted yet right like there's still people that weren't even found yet right they're still counting it, and there's unhoused people that aren't really priority for these things right now and all of that. So it's, it's, it's horrifying. And it's the, this week has been really hard to watch the deaths of all those people and to have the government come out for their reopening. And it's just, it's mind boggling. It's just mind boggling. We lost an entire village, right? Like 90% of the yeah. infrastructure of the city, of everything there was lost. And now the people are coming out saying that they didn't hear from them for hours. 14 hours, actually. <sighs> they you sat know. for 14 hours and had no assistance from the province. 
it's unbelievable. You know, you hear about how our EHS, our emergency healthcare system broke down. Oh, we haven't even talked well, about that yet. We haven't even talked about that during the heat wave. You oh, know, people, yeah. our, the, the our ambulance system were, broke down. The ambulances were physically breaking down in the heat. Yes. And we had just hundreds of calls and people ha- were waited, had the firefighters wait with them for up to 11 hours in BC last weekend. Yeah. 11 hours the firefighter were waiting with people, including for cardiac events. People, yeah, that's why we had so many people die. People had children choking that didn't have responses to them right away. Like we are talking about dire circumstances that are not being dealt with. And then the head of that place came out. With a giant grin saying they did a good job. I'm in crazy land. They witnessed our complete medical health system collapse last weekend. And, we, they're, they, and they're just, everything's fine. Everything is awesome. I, it's, they're in this complete denial mode where they're in Legoland where everything is awesome and not acknowledging that they allowed almost a thousand people to die in seven days. They're still finding bodies right now. And, you know, they haven't fixed all those 25 ambulances that sat there not in working condition over the weekend because none of them could function in the heat. They didn't do the maintenance ahead of time for the heat wave. So the ambulances didn't have the proper mechanics done. They didn't have the rad flushes. So none of them were working. So I just could not believe. Because there's so many things for Mel and I to talk about. We're both just like wiggling that it, it's just because not only that, but the paramedics in those ambulances weren't allowed to have water bottles until Tuesday. Why? Their policy until Tuesday to allow the paramedics to have water bottles with them or wear T-shirts. You know, you at some point... You wouldn't blame if there was a general strike. The way they've been treating our essential workers, they're forcing teachers to work in biohazardous environments, forcing paramedics to, like, save people running on bare minimum. Firefighters are playing with heart attacks for 10 hours. Unbelievable. Have firefighters soon to do that, friends, because fire season has started early and it started hard. This is not going to be a good year. And when we don't have firefighters to pick up those phone calls for the EMS, what then? Like when you see pictures of trees that have been dried out from the heat dome and crashing on parked cars because they died being cooked to death, like it felt like we were in a freaking air fryer. In Alberta, the like infrastructure just like bent, like some of the seats are like curved now. Yeah, and people's vinyl melted. Like it's here too. We were not. It it was. It's. It's nasty, and it's only. The first week of July. This is, we're at the beginning of the, uh, what is it called? They call this the Anthropocene era. And it me- basically means we're in a new level of extinction. We're, we're, we're entering a new era. And it's a warming era, kind of like the Cretaceous mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. So we're slowly all have to adapt and learn to live in extreme heat in, in extreme environments or we're not going to survive. Right. Because our government's protocol has been that we should learn to add bigger air conditioners instead of trying to reduce our emissions and actually dealing with the problems. And this is climate change, my friends. Anybody yeah. talking about these fires, anybody talking about this heat, we have to be including the conversation about climate change because that is a direct result of this. Right. 
This is a big thing that we have to deal with, and this is the crisis that we're not dealing with. And it, it affects everything, right? Yeah. Climate justice is social justice because it affects all intersectional. And we will have weather refugees if this yes. continues. We are going to have masses of weather refugees because huge swaths of the earth are going to become unlivable if this continues. Well, I mean, we already have our first climate refugees. That's the entire town of Lytton. Yep. They, they wiped off. Earth. Like, like you, you can't even... I didn't really think about that, but that's true. That's like our first town, essentially, of yes, climate refugees. It because is. The they've first been wiped out of America because clearly there's other areas of the world that have been wiped yes. out in terms of climate yes. areas already. But this is the first town in North America that's ever happened to. And literally, it was the town that had broken the three-day record of high heat temperatures in the Northern Hemisphere. And then the next day, it literally combusted into flames like it just it's so unbelievable well there's some question whether the trains play a role which is you know they play a role in actually a lot of fires and they're involved in a lot of lawsuits so it will be interesting to see what comes out of that i don't know if we're even going to be able to find out though because again the entire freaking place combusted right like it's not even Mm -hmm. safe for them to go in right now it's horrifying it's horrifying it's because it's so hot and so dry uh reports of Parts of the highway on fire just by people throwing their cigarette butts out the window and mm-hmm. it landing on grass and it's everything's so dry, tinder well, dry Mel, that it goes poof. BC thought it was a great idea to not ban fires until Wednesday. So, oh my God. you know, that was great. Yeah, give you those extra days to, you know, light that fire and those fireworks. I still heard fireworks. Did you? We, we didn't hear fireworks today. here. Unfortunately, I guess since we've talked, more children have been found at Tunaha. Mm-hmm. There's 182, I believe, found at Tunaha Nation. Yeah. So that, unfortunately, continues to grow, which we always need to recognize that that continues to grow. And there are entire communities grieving fiercely while all of this is going on for that as well. Right. It was reflected on Canada Day. I I didn't know anyone that celebrated Canada Day. They were all pretty much, everyone I knew was wearing orange. Other than Jason Kenney, you mean? Oh, yeah. Him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he proudly celebrated Canada Day, you know, sadly, as usual. We're not surprised, but. Well, and I think we are at the point, and I think this is where maybe I'll switch tracks a little bit to, like, I'm at the point I'm done with waiting for the government to solve my problems. So I'm going to start pushing in other ways. And Mel is clearly part of that. We got (laughs) our official uh, nonprofit organization registered charity status through. So I'm in the midst right now of applying for all the business accounts and bank accounts and stuff like that. So we can accept charitable donations. Um, But we're going to be approaching a lot of the things we do on here through that project since A lot of what we talk about can fall under the topic of gendered violence, given that women and racialized communities are often the ones that are paying the highest price in these. We feel it's apt to make sure we are inclusive and intersectional in the areas that we talk about and not just sexual violence, because this is a form of gendered violence. You know, those workers that are typically poor, female, Black, Indigenous, or other people of color are the ones that are dying from COVID. And we saw that 
even in BC, that there's an 11 times higher rate of COVID among those racialized populations that, again, they deny that they don't want to talk about. So we're going to talk about it, and they're not going to be able to stop us to talk about it. And BC and Alberta got rid of its mask policy this week, so we started a new app. So it's called the uh, Safer Shopping and Services Network Directory. You can look it up on NAC, which is starts with a K, K-N-A-C-K. It's a free app. You can submit stores and their mask policies to the directory, and we're going to be maintaining it, going through deletions, updating it as it becomes relevant. But this is meant to be a source of information for those who are still immunocompromised, who are vulnerable, who have children under 12, half-vaxxed, can't get vaxxed, all sorts of things, um, so that you can make some informed decisions while shopping. And right now, we're simply adding those that have requirements for masks for those customers and staff but we're actually going to be adding in stores as well that have different versions of the policy that have some like staff mask policies but no customers but we're going to add those in after so that we just mm -hmm. have a, a big database of those safe stores before we start adding in the other stores as well but we'll be growing that to include different types of stores so it's going to be groceries pharmacies we're going to talk about you know educational centers libraries like it's going to grow to be massive we're just starting sort of with the immediate amenities people need because of the change and, and how it's happening we want to get them pharmacy access right away if we can is what we're going to be working on this week and then grocery stores because those are two things people always have to do i'm looking at the list and it is indeed growing i am also however very disappointed that some of my favorite stores are not on that list mm. and honestly i took the action of calling them and asking them to clarify their mask mm. rules and explain to them you know i'm immune compromised and you know i don't feel comfortable coming in and and i felt that when I had that conversation with the manager that they were more willing to say you know maybe you know we'll keep the mask on for our staff yeah but, you know they can't they feel they can't enforce the mask mandate absolutely because our our provincial public health order has lifted it I agree. And, and it's placed our business owners in such a precarious and and reckless position I feel I completely agree. And I, I hate that they are being put in this position. I applaud the businesses that are keeping the mask policy because it gives options to those people that are vulnerable. It's not a position they should have to be in. And we know that the Public Health Agency of Canada limited distribution documents that I talked about in a previous episode show that a broad mandatory mask mandate it affects adherence greatly and also stops the problems associated with mask wearing. But instead of following what we know works, our public health has chosen to remove those mask mandates in Alberta and British Columbia. They are not following the own science of their country here. And those documents can all be seen on our Project Canary Org website. And to remind you again, people, <laughs> BC and Alberta are the only two provinces that have not linked into the national COVID app. Yes. So these two ridiculous rogue provinces that we live in are literally trying to see if people will just not get infected by wishful thinking. I don't know, but I don't, they have no plan. There is no plan for community mitigation of this virus no, whatsoever. No, because 
in my in my mind, what they've been doing is slowly acclimating the general population to the idea that there's going to be some cases. They've yes. driven down testing, so they're minimizing how to do that. And then now they can get away with low testing levels, even when the numbers start to creep up and they can keep us unaware of what's going on. And I think that's clear because we're still having hospital outbreaks, meaning that there's some transmission going on, but we don't see any information about how that transmission's happening, where it's coming from, all sorts of things. So, yeah, they're just kind of driving the information away, despite the fact that every other area now is, you know, prepping for a fourth wave. Ontario delayed by three weeks their changes and their reopening. Uh, we see the UK is seeing massive rates of increase again. We see Israel having those issues. We Japan. see kids getting infected, like kids are dying in Brazil. It's I mean, we're wackadoodle. I don't know what else to say, right? Like, we are still as wackadoodle as we were a year ago. And it's just wild that we're doing the exact same thing again. Kelowna was party central on Canada Day. Mm -hmm. They had thousands in the streets downtown Kelowna. And oh Bazran, the mayor, acted surprised, even though he let the same thing happen last Canada Day. <laughs> so, I mean, they're feigning ignorance while they take the same steps and they ignore the data and the research that we have and, like, literally ignore it with Henry saying, I take it with a grain of salt, even though she won't release any significant data that proves her point. You know, we're going to have a lot more dead people with this Delta variant. And the Delta is worse than the P1, right? Or the Brazilian variant. Like, like the fact that she's so laissez-faire about this and has completely taken the brakes off completely means that her BC and Alberta have no plan on cooperating with the rest of Canada in controlling COVID and to prevent new variants from developing. Well, and doctors are saying, let it rip. Right. Doctors in other areas are now saying like, hey guys, this is not good. And we're like, yeah, we've been saying that for a while, right? Like we yeah. said we were going to be a problem and we're a problem. So yeah. it's, it's wild. It's just wild. We've gone back to normal. I mean, the capacity in terms of BC, like open back up for uh, events in terms of just 50% capacity of the place. So like 27,000 people can be in there because apparently one seat between people is going to stop the Delta variant, they think, because <laughs> it is airborne and I don't understand. And my hands are on my head right now. That's why I was laughing because I'm just, again, documented everywhere that COVID is airborne now. Everyone is accepting it except for these twiddle Ds in freaking BC and Alberta. So here's my only logical explanation for why they're doing this. They are, one, very anti-science, two, very anti-mask, three, completely yeah. compromised by foreign, by foreign actors and foreign right. interference, and four, they're actively culling Canadians now because I can't explain. There's no other word to express what is happening right now except for culling. Because yeah. if you are purposely letting people get infected yeah. with a deadly variant... You're purposely blinding them with data blackouts. And they won't take accountability. They won't take accountability. You're culling them. You're culling Canadians because you're letting them die. There's no other way to explain this. I think what makes me mad, though, Mel, is that if you look at BC and Alberta, we have the exact same plan. Yeah. But somehow, Kenny is actually getting the attention he deserves, which is dumbassery. Mm -hmm. And... 
Bonnie Henry and Horgan are still being applauded, minus John Horgan's recent comment. I cannot understand for the life of me why people cannot see that Dr. Bonnie Henry's policies are anti-science, anti-mask. Yes, she likes vaccines. That's great. But she is not following the general science of COVID. They are back to talking about excessive hand washing and have completely ignored the fact that we are past that. They just refuse to acknowledge this and practical outcomes, friends for, again, marginalized people, real people, is that they do not get the ventilation upgrades they need. They do not warrant getting N95 masks. They can't get respirators. They're told they're not allowed to wear them. There are very real outcomes for these people on the ground. We're back in square one. Yes, right? literally. Because they're, they're planning on opening school, full blast in September. Kids are having full-on birthday parties. Cultus Water Park is packed, you know, everywhere is packed, we don't think, opening. We don't think we're going to have the approval at least until September for kids under 12. So how are we supposed to go back? Are we just going to let the first couple months infect each other? That was that pretty we're much gonna, we're gonna do what we did last year. And that left 25,000 kids infected in BC. Yeah. So I guess they're just going to let Delta finish the rest off because they are not taking any precautions to protect any children again. Again, like, like my, my, like our children, like my son has asthma. He's got other health problems. I was really hoping I could send him to kindergarten. I was hopeful that maybe if there was a mask mandate, I would feel comfortable sending him, but there's no mask mandate They're They're not going to reduce classroom size. I can't, I have no information on the other kids, where they go, what their risk level is, anything like that. Um, I can't put my son in that position and I won't because I've watched my son dying on a hospital bed and I've watched them save him and I won't put him in that position again. Mm. And how insane is it is that that's my option? Yeah. It's. But people are going to make that choice and I'm privileged because I have a mother that's going to stay with me and help me with my son. And so many people do not have that option. They have to send their child knowing that that is the risk they're going to take. That's horrifying. It is horrifying. And, you know, and, and it, what a total lie. They said they upgraded all the freaking HVACs and air filters. I had a teacher uh, put a post a photo on the on the BC voters supporting public ed group. And oh my God, the filters were filthy. They were changed in 2019 or something, or 2018. I, I was my, like, oh my God. My 80 year old middle school from the old neighborhood Rutland that's hard hit is not even wheelchair accessible. I don't even wow. think they have ventilation and half their kids are in a portable. So again, maybe some places used it for ventilation a lot didn't a right lot didn't. A lot can't even afford to sustain themselves it's it's elitist and as usual those schools that have the most resources and rich parents and those that can lobby and the packs that have a lot of rich parents on it they're going to be able to get what they need right and we and the stu- the places that don't have those accesses don't have that social capital don't have those resources, um, don't come from those communities, will not have access. And we will once again see those communities pay the price. And we now know they did pay the price and we're still doing it. Which is the most mind-blowing part to me. 11 times 
more in racialized communities we have issues and we're not dealing with that right now we're just ignoring it we're ignoring the excess death reports and we're just saying well we did great let's keep doing it like they're ignoring it like the heat dome warning ignoring it like they're ignoring every single warning flag there is it's unbelievable that this government is just on this collision course to disaster you know and and disaster after disaster and no one's quitting no one's resigning no one's taking accountability for this see what did i see about the ndp what was there was a some sort of notice about the Okay, bargaining continues after 94% of the NDP constituency office staff have voted in favor of a strike. Yeah, they were striking against their own party. (laughs) So, I mean, I can't imagine the shit they're enduring behind the scenes, so go them. 94%, that's freaking huge. Um, But, like, I think the most angering part for all of us who've been lived in BC during this is it's the NDP doing it. I know. Is that we, we were sold this lie our entire lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they got majority and they became callous. Like so callous, like, like Kenny callous. That's what I'm saying. It's like Horgan is as bad as Kenny and Kenny is a terrible conservative. He got up there and said, fatalities are part of life. That got repeated in UK, like, and Australia and New Zealand. Are everyone around the world could not believe that this is he knows a Canadian he, attitude. And if he can't publicly speak at this point, he should not have that job. This is literally his job. He cannot keep fucking up this bad and be allowed to continue, right? <laughs> like, it's you can't make that many mistakes and just keep going. Like he's callous and it's leaking out, right? Like that's the thing is this is John Horgan. That's why he keeps reacting like this. This is who he is. Believe it. Okay, but where are our freaking standards? I think all our standards for all types of politics went down the toilet when Donald J. Trump stared into the freaking eclipse, right? He's staring into the eclipse. His aides are screaming, no, don't stare in the sun! And he's staring into the sun. And they still gave him the nuclear nuclear suitcase, the nuclear football with all the codes. So I think the bar was, like, so low, so... You know, Horgan's up there thinking, eh, I didn't stare into an eclipse. And we need to get back to that idea of why do we not expect our politicians to be honest at the very basic? At the basic, tell us the truth. You know, some of you are going to die. Or, hey, a heat, a heat wave's coming. It's, like, going to be, like, 100 degrees. Our infrastructure is not designed for this. Our insulation in your homes aren't designed for this. They're meant to hold heat in, so your house is going to be actually an oven. Like, if they had actually took they the time told, to educate people that, it would have made a difference. They told people to stay indoors before the weekend, Mel. John Horgan and them, they said that when they were saying to get out of the heat. That was one of the things they said. Okay? So it's like, it's not only did they not prepare us, they fucked us. Yeah, because the people stayed in their homes and died of heat stroke. What they should have done was set up cooling stations and kept pools open 
or hey, maybe contact you know Ontario and see what they do during heat waves. And there's right? no reason that they didn't know how to do this because the BC CDC wrote a damn paper in 2009 about excess deaths in heat waves and what they needed to do to rectify those. So there's no excuses for yeah. this stuff. Right? Say, oh, we're learning. Like, dude. It's been for years in Kelowna and a man with a wife with dementia in a care home in Kelowna was told as long as his wife's room is below 40 degrees that's acceptable that's disgusting that's so inhumane sorry that was the Windermere care home wow Windermere shame on you that's a human rights violation. And I hope no every single option. family complains. The only reason, the only thing that we have to do when that happened was call non-emergent RCMP for welfare checks because there's nowhere to call for elder abuse. No, there isn't. So did I hope someone called. I did. Good. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's why I say that's where you call. Uh, it's because I uh, and I said like if anybody knows of those sorts of conditions, please tell me, and I will phone it into the RCMP. At the worst cases, they do nothing, but at least we've tried something. Like it's unconscionable that those people are in those circumstances, and there's nowhere to go. Yeah, but there's nowhere wow. to tell. Someone with dementia can't fight that. They don't yeah. even have the awareness to know what's happening. And we are responsible for those people. Yeah. When you have dementia, they have the mindset of like a one, two-year-old. They're lost. Like you're essentially punishing, you know, people who've, who have diminished capacity just because they can't speak up for themselves. Well, and How to see that, evil are you? that they should know to get an air conditioner or that they should go to a cooling station that presumes that they have people that can take care of them. And again, places of privilege. Yes. You are assuming they can have an AC. You are assuming they have someone taking care of them. You are assuming they can afford all these things. You're you assuming your so... landlords don't yeah, stop them from having AC. You know, oh I saw God. stories of landlords yes. keeping the heat at 50 degrees, you know, allowing the heat to be at 50 degrees in the house. We That's make disgusting. a lot of assumptions about what people can do and can't do, not realizing we're speaking from our own privilege, our own experiences. And huge pockets of people do not have access to those things. And I don't agree that somebody is unhoused gets a death sentence for a heat wave. I don't agree to a social contract where seniors die because there's a heat wave. I don't agree. No, we have emergency, you know, warning systems in place. I'm like, what happened to the all the warning systems that we were being tested? Why didn't you use those? Exactly. They just practice those systems. I was thinking that all weekend. Why is there no text with like the symptoms of heat stroke that they're texting out or like a line to call if they think someone has heat stroke? Or why was there not a warning that the lines for EMS were so long yes. so that people had the ability to take their people in could do so? Yeah. Right. People were caught off guard. I, one of my mom's group, and and John Horgan knows his mom's group because, um, he's met with the CEOs. This is the Tri City Moms Group, and it's like a fifteen thousand strong moms group on Facebook. Mm -hmm. One of the moms, her mother-in-law, fainted from the heat stroke and hit her head, and she was on hold with the ambulance for sixteen hours until someone could come and take her. And I think her, I think she died.
Mm-hmm. But like the post, you know, like she's writing all this stuff and she's like, why is no one coming? All we're getting is ambulance. It's, it's just music or they're putting us on hold or they're telling us, you know, there's other people who are in dire situations. Like it was just complete healthcare system meltdown. And I think it terrified people more than anything because a lot of people are like, okay, what if there is an earthquake? I guess we're on our own then. Well, and what we literally, what I literally said last week was, we are not prepared if fires hit. I literally said that before Lytton caught fire was that we have no emergency services. And if fires start, we're so fucked. And that's exactly what happened. Anybody could see this coming. Yeah. And and people think, oh, a fire, I have time to get out. No, you don't. A person was... Yeah. Um, Tweeting, they like saw the fire coming, and uh, with under twelve minutes, it engulfed their homes, and they could only grab a few things. So, you know, we've been saying if you are in an evacuation zone, or even if you're in a live near like a forest, yeah. like have a bug out bag with you know all your important documentations, yep. all your you know irreplaceable stuff like photos or whatever. But like have a bug medication, out bag, your animal medication, medication, animals, right? Your kids. Your kids' important stuff. Have your bug out bags ready for your family because honestly, um, stuff's getting kind of crazy right now, and there's no guarantee our government's gonna be there to have your back. The really horrible thing I've been thinking about, which makes me, because I've been, I was thinking about Lytton and that there's you know the indigenous communities out there and like they lost their band office and all these things. It's like we, in my opinion, right now through COVID, through this climate change, through these heat waves, we are simply inflicting just another another segment of intergenerational trauma. Yeah. We are literally, we know that the communities who are harmed the most are those that are marginalized, and we are literally doing this again. We are seeing it and going, it's not that bad compared to what we used to do, so we'll just keep doing it, you know? People still don't have water. That's the yeah. world we're living in. Right? Yeah. People and, are dying. And that's the world we're living in. And we, I mean, this, this, yeah, we're just inflicting just more trauma onto the people that we say should forgive us for traumatizing them. Yeah, I don't know if this is like some sort of grand experiment for resiliency building but i'm telling you this is not the way you do it it really sucks um but yeah i we are getting more resilient and we have to adapt to survive yeah right and one thing that i've learned in doing this show with you and one thing that i've learned witnessing this week is yeah we're kind of on our own you know we have to depend on our communities and our our trusted modes of communication because even our communication from the government can't be trusted which was so scary. Like there was no attempt and no effort put in to try to save people from dying of heat. I would not have known that it was going to be that hot unless I was looking up the weather specifically. Cause the couple days leading up to it, there was nothing. It was not until the, it was actually like super hot, like on the way days in like friday that they did anything there that was the first time it was even mentioned yeah right it's just there was if you believe in a government 
that is supposed to help its people, this was not it. And I just think that's basic, so. They used to have emergency services, like warnings on TV. I remember when I was a kid. Why not send out the cooling center stations via the emergency broadcast? Why not send out how high the temperatures are going to get? Why not send out warnings about heat exhaustion? What's the point of the emergency broadcast system? Like, why are we paying all these people all this money when they're not doing what they need to do? And, you know, I get it. Before I'd rather just take my taxes it, back and right? pay for Project Canary and do these things because we're doing a better job. Yeah, we're doing better in keeping people safe than the government is, that's for sure. But, I mean, like, why, why were none of those resources utilized is where I'm completely flabbergasted like not even an mp warned anyone no one spoke um, there's that we don't even have an opposition party right now in bc there's no it's just no. crickets i'll be like this is interesting or this is problematic like that'll be the extent of opposition right like hundreds of seniors died and that's what you got this is disappointing this is this a, is no fucking <laughs> yeah it's, like it's, fucking catastrophe that you allowed 713 people and counting to die alone in their hot box apartment and okay so i've been talking to another person about this which i know you'll love and and i'm just going to talk to you about this now because it's perfect while the listeners are listening is that i am going to create apps similar to the way that i've been creating the safer networking system and we're going to start collecting receipts from across canada regarding this stuff Because it's time to actually build this community and get ready for what's coming next, which will be lawsuits, which will be those things, which will be pushing policy, making reports, doing grant writing, getting funded for these things. Um, But we, the government, really, really underestimates the power of community. And they sure underestimate the power of moms. So (laughs) I am going to be creating these repositories i will be backing them up they'll be encrypted and we are going to start collecting everything from screenshots to tweets to every piece of evidence you moms have collected you dads have collected you other parents you other people everybody who has been working on this from afar and noticing what their mps are doing what their mlas are doing what their premiers are doing we're going to start collecting it because it's time it's time to start pushing and getting some power back for the community agreed and they are not going to respond unless we push back collectively. Not unless right. it's a deep little response on Twitter to a paper, but <laughs> it's it's just which was the... I again I only see it's weird because usually you just wait for your peer review feedback. It it was it was a little strange to get an official statement. I've never seen that before. But again, it tickles my fancy that I'm bothering them that much. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. I mean, you're probably listening, so. Ooh. <gasps> you know, what else are you supposed to do? I'm supposed to laugh at the what? I'm a human that's trying to help other people be safer, and the government is busy answering our responses instead of fucking making school safer. Think about that. <laughs> Think about explain that. that. Explain They're that busy to me. Arguing with me on fucking Twitter instead of actually upgrading the ventilation in schools like we're asking for. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. So it shows you what their priorities are, right? The priority for them is the illusion 
of efficacy. And that's what I say to all the, you know, the people that have been sent to listen to this podcast or sent to listen to our things is that instead of wasting your time, go help people. Like, go go make a list like we are. Go give a frozen bottle of water to an unhoused person. Go help a senior who needs to get groceries. Go do something. Right? Like, go help a person. That's what we're trying to do. Don't you have better shit to do? People are dying. And here's the thing that you guys don't understand. You guys are thinking, oh, they're such goody-goodies or such do-gooders or trying to set all this stuff up and they're just not going to be needed later. No, it's going to be needed. You know why? Because this is just the beginning of the climate emergency. This is just the beginning of climate chaos. Okay? Let me tell you guys something. Food security is no longer theoretical. Okay? There's reports of people going to the farmer's market after this heat dome in BC. And farmers are saying that they have entire crops that have been destroyed by the heat mm-hmm. wave. Heat, food security is not something that's distant in the future. It is now. And I tweeted this today, and I'm going to repeat it live right now. I'm going to say, y'all should be starting canning. And you could be canning what you need, your vegetables, your fruit, whatever you can get your hands on. Because the way it's going to work with extinction is one year there'll be crops and then the next year there'll be nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing will grow because you're going to get some freaky heat dome shit like what happened yep. last weekend. That's going to kill your entire source of food. And then what? We're We've here. already seen that with subsidies, right? Like they've yep. subsidized these industries because we've seen crop damages like that, because we've seen entire crops wiped out by abnormal heat or abnormal rain or weather problems, right? It's all interrelated. And yeah, we in North America specifically are not used to food security issues, but we will get used to it, right? We'll get like used it's to going it. to happen eventually. We cannot continue at this pace and people have been screaming it for decades and we're just, you know, we're we're at that point where we're seeing the effects of it and it's not going to stop. No, like you think that it was an inconvenience with supply issues when the Evergreen plugged up the Suez Canal? You ain't right. seen nothing yet when the Fraser right. River completely floods the CN Railway and no supplies are getting anywhere across Canada. You guys have no idea the shitstorm that is coming our way because we don't have the infrastructure ready for this. We don't have the emergency planning and our government sure as hell is not ready to protect us because if they were, we'd have a lot less dead people this week than there were last week because, God damn it, if they were prepared, you know, we would have had a lot more people alive. Yes, These absolutely. are just the facts. These are just and, the facts. And nobody can look at what happened in B.C., And say that we were prepared, right? Like nobody, even though we knew that this is the way it has been working, right? Like we, this is not a surprise to any of us who have been living in BC, who have seen the temperatures increasing each year. You know, I lived in Kelowna, it's been getting hotter and hotter and hotter and it gets drier and there's been more fires, right? Like it's a fact of life for us now and denying it is is just escalating it unfortunately and we are all paying the price now and the most marginalized are going to continue to pay the price because we hoard wealth we hoard vaccines we hoard everything right and it does not go downstream that's not how it works in capitalism 
the trickle down effect doesn't happen. It's been proven, friends. Yeah, study of over fifty years of trickle down capitalism. They found that it's it, there's no trickle down. It's trickle down human rights. Rich what people happens. just get rich, right? Yeah. Like, and we've seen that. What happened in the pandemic? What happened to the wealth of the most wealthy? It exploded. It exploded. They made money off the misery. Yeah, and they got you know vaccinations in their golf clubs, mm-hmm. you know, while the rest mm-hmm. of the rabble had to line up, you know. And that's how the system has been planned. This is the way society has been structured. And unless we take some of this collective power back and hold the political class and the ruling elite to some sort of accountability, mm-hmm. guys, guess what? They're not going to like look out for us when we run out of food or when we run out of drinkable water, you know, or when our country is being taken by no, a hostile superpower. They have the money to deal with themselves. And we've watched what that means in the pandemic. It means fuck you to the lowest of the low. It means we'll talk about you being harmed, but we won't do anything about you being harmed. And I say this and and wanting to collect these receipts, and I am partyless. I have no affiliation to any party. I have voted all over the place. I am completely independent from caring or giving a shit about the people who want to take power, are going to take power, unless they are going to do it in an ethical and responsible way, whatever party that comes in. And I'm going to just start pushing the hell out of this. And we all need to as a community because the vulnerable can't do it for themselves. They can't. That is the purpose of having social privilege, of having social capital. At least in my view, that is what the purpose of it is. You know, I didn't get here. I didn't spend 20 years getting to where I am, getting through the things I've been through to get to the other side and slap the hand down of those who need it the most. It's disgusting. And it's what this system is built on. Yeah, you don't climb the ladder just to pull up the ladder behind you. Yeah, but that's what they're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. John I mean, Morgan is the NDP. Yeah. This is what drives me wild. He touts that he helps the most vulnerable, and his response was fatalities are part of life. To hundreds of seniors dying, even even if that wasn't a response to be said from the NDP, from our most progressive party, other than the Greens, that's our option. Doug Ford is doing a better protecting his people in Ontario than John Horgan is here in BC, and Doug Ford used to deal drugs. Okay, like. <laughs> He's the dofo. I used to have hashtags that used to say, Doug Ford, you suck. They now say, John Horgan, you suck. Because Doug Ford is actually doing a better job than John Horgan. And if Unbelievably. People would, if people would retract themselves from party affiliations and actually look at the evidence of what's going on, Horgan is doing the exact same thing as Jason Kenney. Identical, in fact. Do you like Jason Kenney? Because that's what he's doing. And if you're an NDP supporter getting mad at what I'm saying right now, literally the same policies, friends. Because Jason Kenney is a known fascist and he ran from his mom's basement. So, you know, if that's the dude you, you know, align with, all the power with you, but uh, they're not our kind of type. That's how you know my Right. And this is what we're stuck with. I'm in Alberta. You're in BC. So we're going to start building the 
infrastructure and the background to start collecting all this information. Um, we have so many different people involved. I have lawyers I talk to. I have public health people I talk to, epidemiologists. So we we have all sorts of knowledge to gather from, and we're going to do that as best as we can. And then hopefully we can do some grant writing and get people to start putting this information together for us into the form of reports and into using the organization that we've made to actually communicate this information. Because for me, and as I put in our website, knowledge translation to me is the biggest part of my job coming out of academia is that there's so much inaccessible information mm -hmm. and I want to empower community members that have no access to that by giving them the information because knowledge and safety shouldn't be for those who can pay for it. No, it's that's ridiculous. Knowledge and safety should be open and it should be accessible and equitable to everyone. Right. I, I, uh, I don't understand. No, I do understand. I'm just, I just. You hate it. I hate it. That's the thing. And that, this, is this is genuinely the thing. And I'll say this as a, as a almost psychologist, I'm about to start my internship, is that people really cannot fathom that other humans have different values than them. Like that they're like us as people who have a lot of empathy. We can't fathom that these people are out to harm people or are selfish. And as selfish people, they assume that everybody's like them. They assume that we're all out to get them and we'll undercut them if we need. They assume that us helping here, we're really out to get them and we just want to get rid of them. I don't really give a fuck what your name is or who you are. You're killing people and that's why I'm involved in this. It could be whatever name involved in this. But they don't see it like that. It's a personal attack for them, right? Because it's about ego for them. Yeah. So we have to just step past it. And at this point, we have to say bye to the government. They're not helping us. And we're going to start creating our own systems to help us. So we hope you're part of that. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I think uh, we'll end our podcast tonight. We'll say thank you for listening. And uh, we will keep you updated tomorrow. And, of course, everyone keep safe. Keep wearing those masks. Yep. Stay socially distanced. And, um Stay hydrated. <laughs> yes, definitely. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. All right. Bye.